If you're ready for freedom from the grind, then passive income from real estate investing is the best way to get you there. If you don't know where to start or what to do next, then the Rent Roll Radio Show is the best place to get you there. Join us while we discuss the best practices, strategies, and mindset you'll need and give you actionable content to get you from where you are to where you want to be. Hey, Rent Roll Radio listeners, this is your host, Sterling Chapman. As always, um, I have a guest here today, George Contreras. He is a real estate investor that specializes in short-term rentals. And I'm really excited to have him on today because we've had a lot of guests over the years that have talked about short-term rentals, but they were all in a different market cycle, right? So we've had, I mean, we had Avery Carl who wrote the, the short-term shop. We had, you know, the for bigger pockets. We've had Joe Pillman who's had, who's had tons of, so we've had all of these, but a lot of times it was during different market cycles. So we haven't had a guest recently that talks short-term rentals. So I've, I've got a ton of questions and I'm really looking forward to picking his brain. George, welcome to the show and thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Sterling, appreciate the opportunity. Excited to be here and uh, share some golden nuggets with your audience. Awesome. So, George, I was just, just mentioning some of the other folks in the short-term rental space. And, you know, we all network together. We all kind of know each other. And and um, but when I interviewed them, it was it was at a different it was a different time. So Joe right. is a good friend of mine that does short-term rentals. First time I interviewed him was in uh, the end of March of 2020. I literally didn't air the episode because it was that doom and gloom. Wow. Well, it was it, two weeks after they shut down, like all of yep. his short-term rentals were were on Carolina Beach and they shut the whole thing down for COVID. Right. He's like. I just quit my job two weeks ago to be. <laughs> oh, that's uh, tough. Yeah. Fast forward six months, dude. He, I, yeah. we, we re-recorded and it was a whole different story. He's like, I can't get a vacancy to save my life. You know, that that's kind of post COVID open up. Right. Thing. Right. People were sick and tired of being sick at home, having staycations locally. Yeah. So I'm just curious, how has the market, oh, I'm skipping so much stuff. Tell your story, man. Who are you? Tell us, tell our guests who you are, what you've been doing, what your background is, what you're doing today, and why we should listen to you. Absolutely, man. So I've been buying real estate since uh, 2000 and, uh, 2012. Got my first house when I was uh, 24. And then I just kept buying single families, duplexes, triplexes. In 2017, I put four units that I already owned at short-term rentals. Started making three and a half, 3.5x what I, what I was making for my long-term tenants. And funny enough, that actually allowed me to replace the income that I had from a previous business that I was trying to exit. That was, I always refer to it as my rat race because it wouldn't make money without me there. And uh, and then, then I was officially out of the rat race and I was able to let go of that business and just focus on Airbnbs and continuing to invest. And then in uh, towards the end of 2018, my wife and I got pregnant. We wanted to replace her six-figure job where she was a law enforcement officer. I knew based on the cash flow I was making from these other four units that I was going to need about three properties to replace her income. And I didn't have the money to buy real estate to do that. So I learned about this arbitrage model where like you rent properties from landlords, get their permission in writing. And so we went that route and that's how we replaced her nine to five. And um, so we've been doing Airbnbs now since 2017. And more recently, we started getting into ground up development uh, doing like syndications and, you know, bringing in just people that want, want to be passive. So yeah, short-term rentals, ground up development is a newer thing and uh, just continuing to expand and continue to learn and grow myself. 
Awesome. Hey, man, I've got a, a now for all my questions, because that's the, that's the dirty little truth about this podcast is I just started it so I could get, you know, an opportunity to ask a lot smarter people. I love me, it. All, all questions <laughs> that I, I current, I, the fact that, you know, everybody listens to it is just a bonus. But um, the first question is, so I've, I've had two different conversations about short term rentals lately, and they were, they were both opposing views. So one, one of the, I think Avery was the one who originally told me, she was like, I love buying short-term rentals in these tertiary type markets where they're, they're, they've been used to them, right? So she buys in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and, and like Panama City, Florida, right? Where they've had vacation rentals since the 70s. The local municipalities, they tax them, they love them, they get revenue from them. She said, even though she lives in Nashville, she went to those markets because she, she, she felt like that eliminated the, um, the risk factor of the, right. them changing the law on you, right? <clears throat> We're seeing it. I'm, I'm in South Louisiana. They've, they've changed the laws in New Orleans. They've changed the laws in Baton Rouge. They changed them in Atlanta. So that's like a, 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 another another person I interviewed had a, like a con, completely contrarian view of where to buy short term rentals. What they said was those those outskirts areas were going to be in trouble. They wanted to buy in the big cities I just described and said to avoid because they wanted to buy near the central business district. Yeah, that's so interesting because uh, I'm like, who? Wait, who gave you that second view? Somebody I was interviewing. They they had just they they bought Airbnbs by central business districts in big cities to attract that corporate client. Yeah, I that's exactly what I tell my audience based on my experience. At the same time, you know, I have 18 short term rentals and they're all in Southern California, so it I can't say, hey, this were this is the same thing everywhere. So. I think what Avery is saying maybe works perfect for her, but here in SoCal, where, where I've been investing since you know 2017, those tertiary areas are drowning right now. Like the Joshua Tree, where are you based out of again? I'm in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Okay, so you've you've heard of like Joshua Tree, California, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? So the Joshua Trees, uh, what's the other one right next to there? Um, yeah, those places. Um, they're all uh, like struggling, like major. In fact, I had a property that I purchased in May of last year. And then we did some upgrades, launched it. And for however many months, it was losing three to 5,000 a month. Like my mortgage payment was 6K. And, and again, this was a 2,800 square foot, 4-2 with a beautiful pool, a jacuzzi, a little like a, a slide that would take you into the pool almost three acres, beautiful property with a big view, less than three miles from, um, you know, the Joshua Tree uh, State Park. And my mortgage payment was six grand. And for January, February, March, it was losing five grand a month. And so what happened is like a year, year and a half ago, those properties were killing it. Like my numbers were telling me that I was going to net about five, six K a month. But I think what happened is, you know, obviously with interest rates and the recession, um, the demand dried up and now you had this oversupply and it just now it's saturated for the demand that, you know, the lack of demand there. So luckily we ended up exiting. Somebody wanted to buy it cash to live in it. And, you know, we took a loss of like 40,000, but I'm like, all right, that was my lesson. So here in SoCal, those tertiary areas, areas are struggling big time. The secondary markets, like it just depends on the property and the location hit or miss. But the primary areas and the really good areas of Orange County, of LA, San Diego County, like they're killing it. I have properties still making two, three, four thousand a month in cash flow. 
But again, here, those tertiary areas, like I don't plan on ever, maybe not never, but for a long time, like buying there again. Now, do you manage your your own properties? I have an in-house manager that basically manages everything. So I told you not to bring this up, but I'm going to bring it up. But that's okay, because sure. I'm going to bring it up and not you. So you, you coach this <laughs> stuff, right? Sure. And And so like... What do you tell your students? Like you, you manage it in house, right? Because you have a system. Yep. But if you're if you're teaching somebody to go buy Airbnbs, do you teach them to manage it themselves, or what if are are you managing it from afar? What's the cost associated with that? How does it compare? Like, because a lot of people ask me why mm-hmm. I haven't done short term rentals, and sure. the answer is I just don't want to manage them. Yeah, or, for sure. Or I don't I don't want to I don't want to spend the money to furnish them. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. You know, I tell my students to manage. Okay, so about 95%. I was there's there's two types of people, right? There's people that have more money than they have time. And then I would say there's and then there's some people that have more time than they do money. Most of the time, probably 95% of the time, I tell my students, hey, the first three to five, manage them yourself so you can get your experience. Because, you know, one thing to keep in mind is the people that come in in my program, they're like nine of fivers who've never started a business and most of them don't own a property like they're renters. So these are like brand new entrepreneurs that don't know how to hire, delegate, build a team, a system, none of that. So I say, hey, first three to five, manage it yourself, hire a VA on upwork.com that can do the communications, delegate the cleaning, delegate the maintenance. And basically you become the manager who manages those three technicians. Right. I never tell them to do the cleaning or the maintenance because obviously they have other responsibilities and all that. And then once they get to three to five or more, then they should bring in like an in-house manager that they could pay like either a flat fee per property uh, or something along those lines. But definitely never hire to a third party company that's going to charge you 25, 30 percent and eats up all your profit. Um now, there's very few scenarios, and I can probably count them with one hand, where I have someone who makes $500,000 a year because they own three dental practices. Those people, I'm like, you should just hire a manager right off the bat because if you manage them yourself, like, it's not going to be a good return on your time. Like, You make so much money in your businesses that you should just focus on that and just hire and delegate this part out. For sure. So you'd mentioned um, one of the properties that you had in one of the kind of the tertiary type markets started losing some money after the market shift. Um, do you have other properties that are performing better that offset that or or how are yeah. your inner city properties doing? Yeah. Yeah. I have properties. Like I would say my, my worst Airbnbs are probably cash flowing like 800 bucks and then all the way to like 3,600. But most of them are in that like 1500 to 2500 range. And again, these are like in strong primary locations and a few in like some secondary markets. So yeah, definitely those other properties were offsetting the negative one, but the negative one, it was, you know, negative five grand, which is a big chunk of change. So for us, we're like, man, we just need to exit. The sooner we can exit, <laughs> the better. And yeah, it took a yeah. huge weight off our shoulders. Yeah, for sure. So what is your plan going forward? Uh, with the, the current environment and 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 kind of what do you have you shifted anything from your strategy that you were using a year ago to what you're going to use today and a year forward? Yeah, for sure. So for the year of 2021 taxes, it was my first year where I didn't pay federal. 
Um, I had heard about cost segregation and things like that, but never fully understood it till I made a good friend who's an enrolled agent and owns a firm and they're experts at this. And because of the amount of real estate that I own, I was able to not only zero out my federal tax return, but actually get a refund. So he keeps telling me like, hey, this year you're going to need to buy this much real estate based on your you know, uh, approximate net profit. And I'm like, man, how do I buy more real estate without using just my money? So that kind of led me down the syndication route and raising capital from family, friends, students, whoever wants a passive experience who either doesn't want to learn investing or doesn't have the time. So I've been going the syndication route for all my deals. Like I said, right now we have three deals, um, one in escrow and two that we already closed and raised capital for. So, so now I'm like this. You syndicate <clears throat> a single a single. Home. Yeah, no, we're multifamily. So yeah, good question. So we're we're doing we're going the multifamily route, whether it's ground up or value add, like just everything right now is four units, five units, six units is what four to six units are the ones we have right now. And we're bringing in investors and I'm playing this game now with like, okay, how much real estate do I need to keep buying to make all my uh, my profit basically tax-free on the federal side. Obviously, I can't do anything about the state side because I'm in the beautiful state of California. <laughs> Louisiana doesn't recognize uh, bonus depreciation either, so I'm right there with you. Oh, okay. Yeah, so so that, that's kind of the game plan. So moving forward, my game plan is to buy value-add apartment deals, and that's going to be the main focus because we already have our, our play full with these ground-up, and we don't want to over-leverage ourselves on ground-up. We got three. I think that's good unless we have like this super, super sweet deal that just makes so much sense, but value-add syndicate and then once we uh once the renovate construction is done or uh, not construction once the renovations are done do a combination of short-term rentals mid-term rentals and long-term rentals depending on what the regulation is uh once these units are upgraded awesome so what do you so i, I don't i syndicate apartment complexes but in the traditional sense right so we just right. buy apartment complexes we increase the value and put long-term tenants in but um for you, like, how are you if, with this kind of hybrid model where you're, you're short term in some of them and midterm in some of them, like, how do you decide what to buy and where to buy? Like, is it the same evaluation process yeah. we use? Yeah. Or? Same, same evaluation process. Everything has to make sense with long-term rentals. Um, and any, anytime, <laughs> yeah, anytime I've purchased real estate or people have asked me about purchasing real estate, I'm like, look, Forget about Airbnb. It, the numbers have to, your underwriting has to make sense with long-term because what if you can't do short-term rentals? And if you buy a property based on the performance of short-term rentals, then you're going to be in big trouble because what if things change, right? The only thing that is constant is change. So it has to pencil in with long-term and then doing short-term rentals and mid-term rentals is like icing on the cake. That is just extra. So everything we underwrite is based on long-term uh, models, right? So that it's like stabilized. And then- you know, some of these ground up developments are going to take two, two and a half years. Like, what if I can do Airbnb in two years? We're going to go the long term and 30 day plus midterm rentals, right? And then again, that'll be icing on the cake. And, you know, my my business partner, like this is my first year going into the syndication, multifamily ground up stuff. But my business partner, he's been doing this for over a decade. And he worked for a few really large firms where as a project manager, he did over like 1.6 billion in like ground up development and multifamily value add and buildings in downtown LA. The guy knows how to do like everything. He's got all the degrees. He's like, 
he's like a Steve Wozniak. He makes the vision come to life. He understands operations, you know, construction management, management, all the numbers, tracking everything, tracks every penny. So I partnered with him. Like I'm finding the deals. I'm raising the money. He's, you know, running the deals and making sure that everything, you know, pencils out. And the experience he has is very specific to these um, LA, like Los Angeles city, which I know a lot of investors don't like because of tenant laws and all these things. But that man, the, the stuff he knows gives us such a huge competitive advantage that a lot of people don't understand the market or the the, the expediting the permits like, like he does. So it's a very unique market, but we like it there because of the appreciation and just his experience and expertise. Yeah, man, that's uh, that's brave. I know. <laughs> I I uh, I would never buy real estate in a state that wouldn't let me kick the people out that weren't paying. I've just heard so many horror stories about like New York and and For LA sure. and nine eleven months on an eviction. I'm like, I just can't. I just don't. Yeah. Like the, my model doesn't work that way. Yeah, you know, we 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 just um, one of our buddies who we were partnering on one deal, one of the ground ups, he has this, uh, this ex uh, law enforcement, um, I guess, guy who retired from law enforcement. And he offers this service where he actually does the cash for keys negotiations. And he does all this research on the people to like find leverage on how to be able to get, like move them out. And he has basically like, like a 100% success rate. And so you pay him like per door and he does his private investigator work and like the guy gets people out. <laughs> it's really That's, interesting. That seems like it would be illegal. I could like, I would not like, um, I would like, I would not like to be on the, the cover of the newspaper as the landlord that like found out some type of leverage and like extorted them out. Like I, I can just I mean, see that going sideways. What it means like, you know, he'll, he'll look into the leases, right. And see how long they've been living there and then look at the tenant laws. And obviously it's, it's a case by case, right. If someone's been living there for three months versus 15 years and he just understands yeah. the process to, you know, negotiate and do the cash for keys process. And it has been really successful and, you know, creating a win-win. And obviously th this isn't a guy or a team that just kicks people on the street, we, uh, relocate them and make sure they're well off, give them some money and all that stuff. Um, so again, we have yet to use them. This is all like newer stuff. So it's going to be a, a learning process. So maybe a year from now, we'll do another podcast and I'll let you know yeah, how if it, went, if it went good or if it went sideways. <laughs> you know what? Is there any, I, I'd imagine you, you, if you have short-term rentals long enough, you're going to end up with like a squatter or like somebody who won't leave. Or have you ever run into anything like that? Never, never. Um, I've, I've never had the experience and I've also met like, you know, students have never had, had that experience either. Oh, that's I mean, we've had like, I have a, a student who launched an Airbnb. There's a city out here in San Bernardino, which is uh, like the Inland Empire. And, like 80% of that area is like a, a D area, right? Not a good area. And he did have somebody like break in, but that's because, you know, it's sort of like in the hood, <laughs> but squatters. No. We have, uh, we have homeless people break into our vacant short-term or long-term units, you know, break, break into our vacant, empty, like $200,000 house that doesn't have a kitchen table in it. Like right. I can only, I can only imagine if 
some, you know, somebody saw an opportunity to to take nine months to get kicked out of one of your fancy Airbnbs. But I, yeah. I guess they're they're probably not on Airbnb sites booking the, the, the yeah, I mean, to begin I, with. Yeah, I wonder if, you know, again, I haven't had experience with like squatters like ever, you know, knock on wood. But um, I wonder if they're saying, oh, this property looks like people live in it. So at some point they're going to get home and they don't know it's a short term rental. So they're like, maybe I shouldn't break into it. And maybe they look for vacant homes specifically because they know no one's coming in there. Right. 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 Yeah, that's a, that's a good, good target. So what's uh what's next for y'all? Next week I'll be attending a fund launch live in Miami, learning about starting a fund um, with oh, these cool. uh, previous syndications. Right, kind of feels a little bit like a hamster wheel, where like you get a deal, you got to go find the money. Oh, get it's a, such a hamster money. <laughs> and uh, one of my buddies, he, he Bridger Pennington, he actually owns um, you know that event and a whole like mentorship on how to like start a fund. So. We're exploring that route because, you know, he. I was, I've been watching a bunch of his YouTube videos and he's like, yeah, if you have a $10 million fund and then every time you get a deal, like the money's already there and you don't have to worry about raising and raising and over and all the, doing all these presentations. And I'm like, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. So we'll see. It makes a lot of sense. I'd be interested to learn more about it. I haven't done it. It's it's kind of like a chicken or the egg type of thing with the it's money true, and the yeah. deal. Because yeah. if you get the deal early and if you get the money early and you don't have a deal, well, the money's not doing anything. Right. And exactly. people want people want their money on the clock day one, which For sure. which is what gets exactly. us to the hamster wheel. Right. I guess that the the fun model is like, oh, well, I'll just raise the money because I know I'm going to be able to get these deals. Right. And that kind of scares me a little bit because it's like anytime you have to put money to use, in my mind, it 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 introduces moral hazard. It's like I gotta buy a deal. And I also feel the same way about some of these syndicators that that live off of their acquisition fees. Like <laughs> got to find a deal because they need another acquisition fee. So they might buy a bad deal. Yeah. I, I've actually met people that way uh, from the apartment community where they literally just make money on the acquisition fees and management fees. And then it's like, Oh yeah, we, it was going to be a, a two, you know, a two point, a 2.3 equity multiple. And it ended up being like a 1.1, but they made all their money on the fees. Right. Sure. Sure. Yeah, yeah, it's so crazy I, stuff. I just, so any, anytime there's anytime there's now now an, another good model that I've heard of, of course, it's probably not as lucrative, is the fund of funds model. Where mm -hmm. where you you raise your money and you have a fund, you got your $10 million, but instead of waiting until you can find a deal, you invest in my apartment syndication. And then you go invest some uh, some more money in rods, and then you go invest some more money in Eric's. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Uh, so you, the fund, it's it's where you raise the money, but it, and you can do, you can deploy the capital into other syndications without if you can't find right. your own deal, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense, right? If the if the returns are strong enough and you don't have a deal to to do yourself, and if it's written in the you know, yeah, because he was saying that you know when you start your own fund and you you, you talk about how you're going to structure and what types of deals, it's almost like you're writing your own Bible, like your religion. He because yeah. you know the fee structure and and what types of deals you put it all in there. So if it's in there, I guess sort of like in the operating agreement, then you have the right to go and invest it into other deals. So. I think I think that makes a lot of sense. That's another good strategy. So that's what's next. It's this fund model to have more access to to more capital, to do more deals and syndicate and 
and get all that cost segregation and just, I personally really dislike paying taxes. I think everybody does. I'm sure you do too. That's why you got into multifamily and syndication. And so that that's the goal is to own as much as enough real estate every year to offset the federal returns. For sure. Um, I actually have a, a friend of mine that lives in North Louisiana that uh, has a fund and he raises capital for short-term rentals. So I'll, oh, cool. I'll, be, I'll be happy to connect y'all. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah that'd be great. So, so yeah, that's what's next there. Awesome. What advice do you have for anybody getting started in the in the business? Man, you know, I would say like, I think, you know, when I got started 11, 12 years ago, I think the only podcast that was around was Bigger Pockets. Now there's podcasts like yours, Bigger Pockets, and so many. So I would say turn your vehicle into an educational ride. When I'm driving, I personally stop listening to music and I don't watch TV. I'm always 100% of the time listening to a podcast, a YouTube video, learning about how to grow my business, improve you know, as a father, as a husband, just always just learning and growing. And there's so much information out there. So just, I would say one, pick a strategy because the mistake I did when I started is I joined the Rich Dad program, which was great. But the mistake I did is I took their wholesaling then their flipping, then their commercial, residential, income management, took like seven strategies. And then I was like, 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 just what do I do? They all sound like you can make money. So I would say pick a strategy and go all in on that strategy. Do three to five deals until you master it. And then if you want to go and, you know, build a new bridge, then do that. But don't, you know, if you, if you like they say, uh, Gary Keller says in the book, the one thing, if you try to chase two rabbits at once, you will catch neither. Well, cool. I want to hop over to our radio round to let our listeners uh, get to know you a little bit better. Cool. So we just have three quick questions. The first one is, what's your favorite book? Don't say Rich Dad, Poor Dad. We've said Rich Dad, Poor Dad a hundred times. I would say The One Thing by Gary Keller. That's probably the second most. uh, Really? uh, Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, No, I love Gary and love Jay Papazan as well. So um, what is your favorite quote? Uh, My favorite quote. um, One of my favorite quotes um, is, uh, well, I guess it's, it's not really a quote. It is or I guess it is, but it's it's what an entrepreneur is. And it says that an entre- entrepreneur will jump off a mountain and build an airplane on the way down. And personally, I love that mindset because at the end of the day, you could read a million books or watch a million books on on investing. But if you never do it, like you're never going to learn. So for me, that quote is like, hey, you, you get started and you figure out over time, that's the only way you're actually going to learn. You know what the secret sauce, in my opinion, is to entrepreneurship? What is it? Risk. That's yeah. the difference. That's the difference between the guys that read the books and the guys that build the businesses is their, their risk tolerance. Yeah, I agree. If there's no risk, no reward, right? The only way to, the only guarantee is that if you don't invest, you're guaranteed to lose. And so, yeah, I remember when I did one of my first bigger deals, I told my partner, I was like, dude, I don't care if we make money. I care about who we become in the process because who we become in the process will make us millions of dollars over our lifetime. And sure enough, it has, and you got to be willing to go and learn because who you become is where you get the best return on investment. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. What's your favorite thing to do when you're not working? I always hate asking this question to guys that live in California because you always do super cool outdoor shit and beautiful sunny California. <laughs> and I'm sitting here in the hot rain in flat Louisiana. You know, right now, man, I'm really enjoying uh, working out and playing basketball for cardio. Awesome. awesome. That's what I like to do when I'm not doing business. So cool. Well, how do our listeners get in touch with you, find out more about you, invest with you, 
get coached by you and all that. Sure. My Instagram, it's the at and then the T-H-E, Jorge Contreras. Make sure it's the verified one because there's a ton of fake accounts out there. <laughs> awesome. Jorge, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really enjoyed it. And uh, I know our listeners will too. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. This episode was brought to you by Crestworth Capital. If you're a busy professional and ready to make passive income from real estate investing, then go to CrestworthCapital.com where you'll be able to download a free copy of our ebook to help you get started today. Until next week, happy investing.